Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed Destiny podcast. My name is Jeremy. I'm Tyler. Uh, My name is Zach. We technically started a new podcast, guys. Kind of. No, Jeremy just changed the name again. I didn't even change the name. No, it's still It's a Gundam. Oh yeah, that's true. We're no longer Hey Digimon, a Digimon podcast. We just recorded that way in the past for you, but recently for us, it was fun. It was a I lot of fun. It. <laughs> it was different. It was the last thing we could do up to put off starting Destiny, but I'm actually excited to start Destiny. I really like this first episode. Uh, only watching like the back half of it reminded me I did not like this first episode when I watched it. <laughs> what? Why, why is that? There are a lot of reasons. Okay. Zach's a grumpus. That's the main thing. <laughs> I, guess I am we'll get there, not but. a grumpus, but it's just I don't really like this first episode. There's a lot of stuff in it that I don't think really fits. And now there's a lot of just base problems, in my personal opinion. So, wait, actually, really quick. I feel like we should start with a recap for people now jumping on at Destiny. I actually don't think we need a recap of Seed. I was considering it, and I think that we should treat it like it's new, because in theory, you should be able to start this new series. Without the backstory, right? That's fair. Who's that cool sunglass guy? I don't know him. Go watch Seed and don't watch this. I'll save you a lot of time. This is the same warning Jeremy gave me. <laughs> That's Don't true. do it. I don't have the antipathy I used to have towards Destiny. We'll get through that as we work through the series. Destiny gets a lot of shit on the internet. It deserves most of it, to be fair. <laughs> but it's not the worst Gundam series. I don't even know that I really think it's a bad one. I do. But what I mean is it gets a much worse reputation because it does a lot of things right and it gets to, I think, a really genuinely good start. And then it messes up everything it sets up. And it just becomes this mess that instead of sticking the landing, just crashes right into the ground like Die Hard 2 and explodes <laughs> in a blazing inferno. And it's not even a blaze of glory. No, and it's not like, oh my, this is a train wreck, I have to keep watching. It's another clip episode? Oh my god. <laughs> and I've never actually watched the HD version of Destiny before. My understanding is it somehow takes out most of the clip episodes while maintaining the episode count. What? I don't know how. I'm confused. Maybe it intersperses the clips throughout the episodes? So maybe I'll end up liking it even more? I don't know. Uh, but there are some really cool ideas in Destiny. Unfortunately, it ends up messing up the franchise. So instead of a recap, I wanted to, kind of like with the first episode of Seed so long ago, go into some of the making of stuff and start setting up the breadcrumbs for this train wreck that's about to happen. To be fair, I do like Lunamaria. I like Shin until I don't. That's true. He's not a terrible character until he is. I like the... He's a really different Gundam protagonist, which we'll Shin's get into. Shin's the obviously main character. Kid, yeah. Right? Okay. So Gundam, as you might know, after Sunrise acquired it, they kind of stopped making it a continuing series. Before, it was all Universal Century, all a continuing story, even though they kept doing like larger and larger jumps into the future, so they didn't have to worry about their own continuity too much. Uh, Sunrise just threw it all out, starting with G Gundam. It was Final Fantasy style, every series with a new series, with occasionally a 20th anniversary, 25th anniversary. Let's go back to the Universal Century for eight episodes and do the OFMS team and it's really good or Stardust Memory and it's kind of eh or (laughs) War in the Pocket and Jeremy doesn't like it even though everyone else does but Seed was so popular that they decided it was time to do a genuine sequel series which is really surprising because Wing was the most popular thing on the planet for a minute there and they all they gave it was a OVA (laughs) to be fair everyone loves that OVA I've never even seen it it's not terrible but it's also 
not nearly as good as everybody seems to think. That's Gundam Wing in a nutshell. Yep. Uh, for example, I would say Destiny's better than Gundam Wing. That's my hot take. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I disagree. You know, I'd, I've never actually finished Gundam Wing, mostly because it was airing on Toonami and they kept catching up to themselves, so they just sorted the series over 14 goddamn times. So when they decided to make a sequel series, Gundam Seed was a riff on the original Gundam, so they decided to kind of riff on Zeta Gundam, which is kind of the most popular one. It's the one your mom watched if you're a Japanese kid. <laughs> Unfortunately, they, didn't they do a lot of Zeta Gundam stuff in C? That's what I'm getting to. Is There yeah. are lots of things you can do with Zeta Gundam. Transforming mechs, for example, are a big thing in Zeta Gundam that they can take over here. Uh, and there are some plot points. There are a couple of problems, though. One, I think the best part of Zeta is the end when you have this three-way struggle between these three factions going on. Yeah. And they kind of took that explicitly for Gundam Seed, which means they're going to have to repeat themselves a lot. And that ends up being the biggest problem is they repeat themselves a lot. For two, Shar Aznable is a major part of Zeta Gundam and his journey from ant uh, honorable antagonist to weird world leader. But uh, Railroad Crusade ain't no Shar Aznable. And also he's dead. <laughs> also, he's dead. Makes it real hard for him to be an interesting protagonist or antagonist. Well, you know point. who else was dead? Yes, I do. Don't worry. He's not in this episode. We don't have to deal with him. Um, <laughs> Zach is having PTSD flashbacks. So well, stupid. Now flash forwards. Another problem they got is that Seed was so popular, Sunrise didn't want to lose that. And so there was a lot more creative control from the top and there was a seed where seed they were kind of allowed to do not whatever they wanted a lot more freedom x was a train wreck and uh turn a was a weird let's let the original guy do a thing while we course correct so seed there was no expectation on destiny there was a ton and i don't know how true this is but around episode 12 there was a character popularity poll and shin did very well he made third but kira was number one with a bullet and they were told to make kira more important in the series. And I think Aww. that is Aww. the stem of a lot of a pr the problems, especially because in Zeta Gundam, they give Amaro Ray space PTSD so he won't engage with the plot so that Camille can be the main character. <laughs> and one of my main problems with certain elements of Destiny come in right around that time frame. Yeah. For probably that reason. Problem three is something that's a little more gossipy and I don't have all the details straight. So I want to save that up front. But there were production problems. And I'm going to tell a story, and the base of this story is true. Some of the details might be wrong. So the producer of Gundam Seed, whose name I really should have worked up, looked up before I started this, is also the producer on Gundam Seed Destiny. and the, uh, Actually, the director, not the producer. I'm sorry. He produced Crossange, which is why I'm getting confused. <laughs> you know, I think that could explain most of, our, most of the episodes on either of these podcasts. I should really have yeah. looked that up before I started this. His wife wrote a number of episodes for Gundam Seed and was promoted to, uh, or was hired to write more episodes for Destiny. Okay. Which is a little bit nepotism, but also she did deliver scripts for Seed. It's not like the episodes she wrote were bad or anything. Unfortunately, during the production of Gundam Seed Destiny, she was diagnosed with leukemia, which is obviously a terrible tragedy. Uh, she is still alive, so at least she's fighting and doing well. But that well. takes a lot out of you. She kind of beat it? Yeah. Well, I don't. I have not looked up recently how she's doing. But oh. my, she, she has not succumbed, at the very least. Unfortunately, she and her husband were in a situation where if she revealed this, she would have lost her employment and they would have lost the medical insurance for her. So they were basically not telling anyone, but she couldn't deliver scripts on date, which is why we get so many clip episodes later on. The, huh. There are also uh, many accusations of nepotism going on because a number of people pointed out that other people who maybe weren't married to the director would have been fired if they could not deliver scripts on time. 
And in 2004, there was this new thing called social media. And there were some very popular voice actors who just done a very popular show who went to social media. Some people who voice characters like Kigali Yula Atha and Shinasuke, who were very vocally uh, critical of this and suddenly found their lines reduced more and more and their characters <laughs> more and more or less and less important to the story. <laughs> Which, in Shin's case, really hurts this series, because he is ostensibly the main character. Until he's not anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of where that turn happens. And it's really, really jarring when it does. I also think just repetition in general is a problem for them, though. We'll get that even in this first episode. I actually kind of wonder if that's a problem with having the same creative team, like you already told the story. To be fair, I did like the pair. I do like the parallels in the first episode here. There's just a lot of, like, fine details that I really can't stand. There's one repeat here in particular that I really don't like, and we will get to it before too long. There are some I like. I don't mind that it starts with a Gundam jacking. Zeta Gundam starts that way. The original Gundam doesn't, so... This is actually one of the reasons why me and Jeremy made the joke that no one ever gets to use the Gundams they actually built because everyone keeps stealing them. I did the math. There are 12 Gundams in Gundam Seed. Six of them are used by their intended faction. (laughs) So we're at a 50% rate going into this. There are about to be four more, and uh, 75% of those are hijacked. So that's the situation going into Destiny. It's very much maligned among Gundam fans. And like I said, I think genuinely for good reason. But I think people are angry at it, not because it's all bad, but because there's lots of good stuff there that just gets burnt down. In contrast to something like Gundam Build Divers, which is nothing from the beginning, or Iron-Blooded Orphans, which has a few good ideas, but more misses than hits and ends up not coming together. I think the reason Destiny is the one people dogpile on is because it ruins things. And it, and I don't want to say it in retrospect, it ruins Gundam Seed. You can watch Gundam Seed just fine, but they could have had another universal century here. We could have had more and more series building on this, and that ruins it. And isn't this one also after a fashion, the reason why they don't commission these as full 50 episodes anymore? It's always in that block, in the 24 episode block, 24 to 13 episode blocks. Uh, it's not entirely, it's not entirely the reason. But that is part of it, is they wanted to course correct. I think that was more an excuse they used because they wanted to cut budgets, though. It's entirely possible. I just thought I remembered you mentioning that to me at one point. Dum Dum Double Lot, which starts the year after Gundam Seed Destiny, is two 25-episode seasons rather than a 50-episode season. And Gundam has not had a 50-episode season since then. Okay, with that depressing news, <laughs> shall we start uh, Gundam Seed Destiny? Tyler, any thoughts you had before we start, since you have watched the episode, or do you want to save them for the end? Um, on the episode itself? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I figured I'd talk about it as we watched the episode. Okay. So. so we will get started then with episode one, Angry Eyes. You can watch along on Crunchyroll, and I recommend that you do. I mean, like I said, watch it for yourself and come to your own conclusions, I think. I really think maybe the first 30 episodes are genuinely pretty solid. Maybe closer to like 27. I couldn't tell you the exact number where that arc ends. The problem is once you get into like the mid-teens, they're starting to set up stuff that's not going to pay off. (laughs) Zach's making angry eyes. I'm not making angry eyes. I just always look angry. No, specifically at this episode. Like at that mention, you made angry eyes. Angry eyes. So we start with a naval battle that's been beautifully reanimated for the most part. There is some reused footage here, but there's a lot of opportunities to reuse footage where they made new stuff instead. We see Zack's favorite villain. Uh, <laughs> God, powder blue suit, man. I like him. Asriel? Let me rephrase that. I like his suit. <laughs> um, I also like, so we get to see like a bunch of missiles launching, a bunch of mechs mobilizing. It looks like Kigali's giving orders when she definitely wasn't. <laughs> Revisionist history, Tyler. 
And we see the freedom launching from the Archangel. And then we see something that we actually have seen before because they added it into the HD version. But this is the first time if you're watching the original that it shows up, which is a family kind of running down a path and a bunch of ships being boarded by refugees. I was going to say, as you're watching this family running down the hill, three of them are animated slightly differently. Like, one of the characters has bigger eyes than all the rest of them. One of them has traditional anime eyes and everybody else. Well, the parents do, and then the the sister and Shin both have normal anime eyes. No, even the sister looks drawn in a different style than he does. She's definitely closer to traditional anime, but I definitely see what you're getting at. He looks designed, whereas they look almost like background characters. We also see a lot of really cool, like, combined arm shots, the stuff I'm always talking about. We see, like, artillery encampments next to Estrays shooting down missiles. It looks awesome. So these are Shin, Mayu, and Shin and Mayu's mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> and as they are running, the Raider and Calamity just fly right over them, which is, again, a really cool shot. We see, like, the wind going past them. A couple of Estrays nearby get toasted by the Calamity, and it lands, like, right on top of them. Which sets up a thing. Yes. Uh, and also, we did see that shot of the Calamity landing in the original, but we don't see them. Which is, like, the attention to detail here is much nicer than it needs to be. I guess I should start with, I really like this opening sequence. It's, it actually is a really good setup, because it, it goes into, like, the ideas that were in Seed in the first place, and it's really bringing that home again because like there's another explosion as kira is shooting at it and misses the calamity and almost nukes the family spoilers so mayo drops her mobile phone it's definitely her mobile phone and not her cell phone even in the dub (laughs) and so shin goes down to get it while she's trying to pull free of her parents like seriously how old is she uh like 10 12 i guess say 12 I feel like a 12-year-old would understand the life-and-death situation is not worth your phone, but I don't know. I actually really like this moment that Shin, like, slides down to grab it, and spoiler, that's what saves him, because the freedom and the calamity end up shooting their beams at each other, and there's this giant explosion that blows him down the hill with the phone in his hand, and right to the docks with the escape boats. What's great is so many people, like, there's so much carnage going on. So many people just walk right by him as he's laying there. No, only a couple of people, like, I think they were already moving by, and, like, an officer for the ship goes and gets him. Yeah, but he's like, hey, wait, my family, where are they? I love this shot, too. Yeah, uh, Gundam Seed's about to act like it's going to be subtle, and then do that bloody thing it does. (laughs) He's like, oh, no, the hill's been destroyed. And then he, he, like, sees his sister's arm under a rock, and he's like, oh, no. I should go help her. And then he rounds the corner and it's just her arm. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, fantastic's maybe not the word I'd use, but it's a really strong shot. I mean, it's a really strong, good shot for that kind of thing. Yeah, and then he pans up to get rid of any doubt because he sees his sister's, like, very detailed corpse as well as his parents, which have all been blown in different directions. I say I don't understand how they got blown in different directions because the explosion didn't happen in the middle of them. It happened near them. I have a... Honestly, with all the blood, I feel like they bounced, like as morbid as that sounds. Like his dad's <laughs> well, like wrapped around a tree. And, that's fair. Like we see his sister's arm has come off. So it's entirely possible. So maybe they just fell downhill in different directions. Yeah. And given the size of the explosion, it's entirely possible. And this is the kind of thing that you don't really think about when you're watching the other series, the collateral damage, because it's not something they ever really go into. It doesn't focus on it at all. So like, I really like them bringing this up, and it's, it works really well for a character's background. Yeah, and this is a weird kind of technical thing, but not a lot of Gundam protagonists have backstories. 
usually the story starts and we see whatever motivates them. We see Amaro's Ray's dad die in the colony attack. We see Camille's parents die in like episode three. Uh, yeah, because I mean, normally they just like live lives up yeah. until then. They're just like, in episode five. We see why Domo's chasing this guy. Well, Domo's an exception. Domo does have a backstory. But most don't. And so giving one to Shin is really nice. And like tying it in immediately with Kira's is also like just a anchor point. If you've seen the original series and if you haven't, you instantly get this guy's deal. Especially with that massive um, battle at Orb, like watching it as a viewer, you know what's going on there. But it's not something that's ever really kind of brought up because they don't show this kind of thing. And as you said, with them showing it, it also makes a lot of sense for things that come up later in the series and why he is the way he is. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so and does you he, immediately get it. Does he hate Kira as a result of this? I really like what they do with that, is okay. what I will say. Okay. I'm with him. And Shin is a very interesting character until they forget him. It's one of, <laughs> it is one of the good ideas the series has. And if I remember right, that one actually kind of is paid off. Yeah, to more or less. Better than some of the other ideas. So Shin is clearly distraught, and the officer's like, hey, we gotta go. Yeah, dude, I, they are still here. We gotta go. I wish this guy got to be like a Commissioner Gordon figure, and we got to see him again. <laughs> and we end with Shin staring at the battle, and these are mostly shots we saw in Gundam Seed, the original, of Kira flying around the Calamity and the Raider and the Forbidden, while Shin is like screaming down on the ground. And I just really like how it pans out for him and shows how small he is in this conflict. And then we cut to my favorite Gundam opening. This is one of my favorite anime openings, period. It's not as good as like the second Full Metal Alchemist one or a couple other ones, but I love the song. I love the video that goes with it. It's Ignited by TM Revolution, the same band that did the first opening seed Which was song Ignite, to Seed. Yes. Right? And I just really like the way the emotions sync up to the music. I think it's very well done. We get our first view of the new acronym. <laughs> I wrote it down in case we're curious. I was going to bring it up later, but it is here. So why not? Why don't we do it here? It is the Generation Unrestricted Network Drive Assault Module. I'm not sure what generation is unrestricted. Maybe it's Shin's generation. I'm not sure how a network drive attaches to the assault module. The assault module I'm into, though. That makes sense. That so the, actually, the end part will actually get uh, gone into a little bit. Well, also, assault module makes a little bit of sense because they, they're, they're showing it attached to the impulse. Yeah, no, it's literally a module. That makes sense. So it's a very seed opening, despite my really liking it. It's a lot of static shots of people, some mobile shoot shot. At least the first one was a shot that kind of looked like it was from Gundam Seed, where it was Atherin and Kira, and then Shin was in the middle of them behind him. We get to see Birdie 2.0. We get to see Millie. She's photographed Wars, you know. What is with Lacus's outfit? What is that nonsense? That is a Japanese wedding dress. Is that nonsense? And I, they love showing Lacus in them, and I don't know why. I'm, no, no, this thing in the background. Oh, that here, one? That yeah. one we'll get to. The one where it's like a leotard with a skirt that doesn't fit right? I don't... What is that? Oh, no, I actually really like this outfit for... I don't like it as an outfit. I really like it for in-plot reasons. There is a reason it looks that way. Okay. We get some bridge shots. No boob bounces. Maybe one of the reasons I like it so much. This is the bizarre. first shot of the uh, new Zaku. Yeah, we get yeah. the new Zaku's. Man, I love that new Zaku. Oh, we'll get to it soon. We get the, you know, these are the Gundams wait, and their wait. pilot shots. So, wait, I can't see her name, and we, we actually get to see her in this episode. Oh, <sighs> that, re that reminds me of the la other thing I was going to talk about before we got started. So, Gundam Seed Destiny also features the return of a number of voice actors to the Japanese version. The first and maybe most important one is the voice actor of Shar Aznable returns to voice the plant supreme chairman in this series. Okay, that's cool. Uh, the voice of Flay Ulster returns to voice this character here. Stella, I can't remember her last name. So, it's an anagram, my friend. 
Uh, well, no, so the reason I was looking at this is because you can't see all the letters be- behind her head at any given point, and it looks like it says Stellar Lobster, and I thought that, <laughs> I thought that was the name of the mech. <laughs> so, no, that's the Gaia, You can like because you can see it down at the bottom. Yeah, no, I realized foot. that later because they are now going to go through like goddamn 18 different mechs that we're going to see, I guess. Which is actually a thing I'll like for things I'll, reasons I'll talk about in the episode, but yeah, this is Stella. She's got... Or like I said, her name is an anagram. And also the voice of Mulaflaga will return to voice a character we don't meet yet. Yeah, but we get the Zakus here, and I love the Zaku designs here. We got lots of Zaku warriors, some Zaku phantoms. Zaku gunner. We get some plot daggers. We get some naked people. It is a Gundam seed opening. <laughs> we get the secret agent Atherin theme that will get used to it. It's going to be in all the openings. But I love that it's just like Zala. Atherin Zala. <laughs> Opening of like, the, all the girls with guns around him. Well, except for one particular yeah. character. Was one but she's particular. clinging to him, so. That is true. And so she looks awfully sly for a lack. There is a is reason. Is that, that? It's because it's not Lackis, right? It's her impersonator. Yeah, and uh, that, she's got that weird dress on. Yeah, she does definitely have that weird dress that's on. Not the other, that's not the only indicator of uh, no. those characters, though. We also get... Uh, Maru and Waltfelt now get to share an opening s- shot. Well, though they're old people now. Yeah, exactly. They get to be old together. Same with Kira and Lacus. You get to be old and naked together because they're like 16 now. So old. <laughs> 18, maybe. I think they're 18 in this series. Also, everybody in this series is massively underweight. It's a problem. <laughs> Everyone has lost weight and they were already thin <laughs> Japanese people. But no Kira in like the final shot that shows the cast. It's this Ather and Shin and two guys whose name we don't get this time who pilot Zaku's. Well, they were actually, their names popped up in That's that like, true. cycle. We do see that this is Razor Barrel and... Uh, Lunamaria Hawk. Yeah. I actually really like Lunamaria. Oh, those I've mentioned Zaku's, it. They're so good. I mean, we'll get to them. They're some of my favorite grunt suits, period. These Zaku's. They have more in common with Hyzax, actually, which is the Zaku yeah. equivalent from uh, Zeta Gundam. But I, they're just very good. I like me a good mono-eye also, so... Well, given how the how Gundam usually has those cameras for the cockpit set up, the mono eye makes a lot more sense. Yep. Although the eyes on Gundams are not actually cameras, so I'm not sure what they're doing there. I think they're just aesthetic at that point. Yeah. They wanted a humanoid robot, so. Well, the like I said, the that's why the mono eye makes a lot of sense because that actually is the camera. Yeah. So it's been two years since the end of the last war. We get our one shot of Kira and Lacus this episode. No, we get a second shot in just a second of that's basically the same shot. It's the same shot. It's one shot used twice. This is a different angle. Lacus looks very determined for this walk on the beach they are having. Well, (laughs) she's got got to get Kira to get back to the building. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, before he breaks down again. I feel like she's exercising him because it's good for his depression. Yep. (laughs) I was going to say, we we get to see like a memorial and it's actually proper English. I paused to make sure that it was. So. So we get a little bit of background on Gundam Seed. There was a war. It finally ended. The treaty happened and like the world's at peace, but it's very tense. And we cut to the L4 plant armory, which is called Armory 1, which we'll see is basically just a giant Zaft military base. That is ostensibly supposed to have been decommissioned, more or less, right? Uh, They never say that. So like they're both allowed to have military forces still. Okay, that seems dangerous. Not, well, kind of. 
I mean, it's not like they they kind of imply that they're supposed to have smaller military forces, maybe along the same lines as the uh, after World War Two. You know, you're not allowed to have a military capable of striking beyond your borders thing. Although both sides kind of were at an impasse at the end of that last war, so neither can really enforce. You don't get a military anymore. Yeah. And we will find out there are restrictions. For example, no more nuclear powered mobile suits. So what? Wait, what happens to the freedom and the justice? Well, the, the justice, justice blowed up real good already, and so. the freedom oh, yeah, was pretty right. much wrecked too. Yeah. And besides, remember, the freedom is privately owned. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, if I know anything about stuff like this from knowing Mech Warrior, that means it's now a family heirloom. <laughs> I feel like they do have to pay a ridiculous luxury tax on it, though. I feel like at some point, if you just keep, I was in- gonna make them. If you keep it in your basement long enough, it does become a family heirloom, so. That's how a lot of the mechs in Battletech worked in the early days of it. So we cut to a shuttle, and we see some familiar faces on this shuttle, including Higala Yulaatha, and no one else yet, I guess. I thought we saw just the other saw guy. Po- uh, watching out the window. Yeah, I thought she was coming here on vacation, but. A lot of, um, like, just random babble. Yeah, there's chatter. Pre- preparation there's... chatter, I guess. Well, it sounds like they're trying to do like a military parade or something. Yeah, they're like, hey, we need ceremonial uh, weapons for these gins. And we Sem- see a bunch of gins. Yeah, it says ceremonial equipment. It's like, hey, there's this old g- gazoot. We got it, so I guess move it. Don't forget to actually put arms on it, because we won't have time tomorrow. And we see Ludamaria and a guy who's voiced by the same guy as Izzy in the dub of Gundam Seed Destiny. And since we just watched... <laughs> Digimon, it was very distracting. <laughs> and by Gundam Seed Destiny, do you mean Digimon? I sure do. Yep. And gu- I- I'm at the dub of Destiny. He's voiced by that guy who does dub. Yes, gotcha. That's what I was trying to say. Um, also, if that tomato on his face is part of his hair, I'm going to stab someone. What is that? He- Jeremy's closer to you than me. But let me rephrase that. If that's his natural hair, I'm going to stab someone. Here's what I'm going to say. I genuinely really like Luna Mario's character design. How is that skirt military regulation? That is, yeah, that's a really good, that's always been kind of weird. But yeah, I... Sailor Moon would be blushing. I do like uh, her character design and... I mean, it's not going to get in your way while you're piloting your Zaku, but it is going to distract Shin. It looks, it actually looks a lot more in that shot that she's got the military jacket on over what would be normally like... Over her schoolgirl outfit? Yeah, over civilian clothes. I was actually going to say maybe they're allowed to flare up one piece of their outfit. <laughs> I like that as like an anime military rule. <laughs> Luna Maria is dressed in the red uh, uniform that Isaac, Diarca, Nickel, and Athern had in the last series. So instantly she's got rank. And like I said, I do like the design. She's redhead. She's more like a... like It's a, pinkish. Yeah, well, it's not It's not red and it's not pink. There's a color... It's kind of like... Vi- it's, it's, it's like It's not berry. quite violet, but... It's, it's berry. Yeah, it's, it's crunch berry color. You're right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Izzy is a bad driver and has to avoid some gins. <laughs> I really like like Luna Mario's reaction and expression as he dodges through the legs of the gin. Well, and he's like, "Well, can't be helped." Actually, I think I I think Luna Mario is actually the one saying that because her, no, her no, it's she, him, it's him. Uh, her her mouth is moving. She's just screaming. Yeah, if you listen to it, it's definitely a male voice actor. Okay. Yeah. And he's basically like, he's expositing. He's like, hey, we're all rookies here. We None of us actually fought in the war. Everyone pretty much died or got promoted. So <laughs> this sort of thing can't be helped. Yeah, many of us are doing this for the first time. And they are driving up to a white ship in the distance. And he's like, hey, but it means the Minerva's finally going to watch. And by white, I mean mostly gray with some red and white highlights. I actually really like this ship already, and I haven't even seen it yet. It's no Archangel, but I do like the Minerva. I, I do, too. 
Also, the cog or the uh, bridge looks much more efficiently designed. It's circular, like some sort of Star Trek bridge. Yeah, it looks more military, which is I like. I like those honor guard gins with all their decorative, like nonsense. the white and gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are pretty cool. So a helicopter starts landing, landing, and we see a random long-haired blonde guy from the opening smile and kind of run up to it, though he doesn't get too close. And out comes Chairman Durundle, a character I have very complex feelings on. <laughs> Durundle, voiced <sighs> by Shar Astable. <laughs> Keep that in mind while you're considering this character's motivations. Uh, yeah, I do lo- stares. I I do love his uh like gown is not the right word. He's he's in Seto Kaiba cosplay. That's what's up. <laughs> he's like, I'm the boss. This is how I'm dressing. And so he's like, Yeah, man, those blue cosmos bitches, right? We don't really understand what he's saying, but he smiles at his crush Ray. <laughs> I always have the feeling that he was wearing a trench coat. Yeah, it is kind of loose like that. And then we get to see Kigali come down an elevator. And with some random dude in black fatigues with s- some bitch in sunglasses. It's Cyclops. This <laughs> yeah. is a crossover with Marvel. Yeah, it's Jean Grey and Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not Jean Grey. Who's, uh, I get... Who's completely useless? Shadowcat? <laughs> Claremont Shadowcat. She's very Claremont Shadowcat, actually. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, here's, who's blonde? Here's but. the problem. Most of the female X-Men are pretty badass. Like Storm, you don't want to mess with Storm. Um, yeah, Psylocke. Psylocke, yeah. Um, she'll, honestly, Rogue. Shadowcat also, she'll, she'll fuck you up in some settings. Uh, it, older Shadowcat, Will. And by older, yeah. I mean like 16-year-old Shadowcat <laughs> instead of 14-year-old Shadowcat. <laughs> like Excalibur Shadowcat, you don't want to mess with. Ileana Rasputin, she like, was trained by the devil, so... <laughs> Anyway, he gets told that Orb's princess has arrived, even though she's wearing her dad's clothes. Well, that's kind of like the uh, the senator or council member yeah, like everyone... uniform for Orb, because all of the council members wore the same clothes. So... Atherin's giving her shit about it, though. Like, couldn't you have worn a dress? You're so much prettier when you smile and are in a dress. And I understand what Atherin's trying to get it, but he comes off like kind of a douche here, I think. Uh, so actually, I got it as like... Oh, you're wearing that? That's I I like it came across as like, oh, you're wearing casual clothing. Did well, you pack anything formal? Well, he yeah. does literally ask her, you did bring at least one dress, right? Yeah, but she's wearing a full suit. I didn't yeah, realize it, that it was a formal suit when I thought this, so Well, I mean it doesn't have a tie, but it's it may not be like a formal suit, but it is definitely a uniform or a suit of some kind. Yeah, I can see Kigali coming to this meeting in a t-shirt, and then this <laughs> discussion makes way more sense, right? But here it just comes off as kind of not sexist, but like I feel like this suit is way more of a power move than wearing a dress is. I feel like Kigali knows what she's doing, and it's where the Atherin's giving her shit for it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it really so- is, because like Atherin didn't really come off in that same way earlier i think they're i think it's actually a writer thing trying to call attention to the fact that she's wearing the, the suit and not like the uh military weird gussied up mo- uh, mock uniform that she was wearing in a lot of the other scenes from seed or like her admiral outfit from later yeah yeah so i don't i don't know so really quick i want to keep this in mind uh, they're taking advantage of the fact that they're in space and they have like a space supportivator just pay, pay attention to that in just a second because there are like people overhead of them, and they're basically just like holding onto a railing that's dragging them. It'll it'll be important in a moment. Anyway, Atherin's like, you don't I have mean, to be he, leader. Well, yeah, he's he's. It comes off there. It's like you know, you don't have to try to be something you're not. And it's like, but she 
is. Yeah, and he's like, just, just remember, you are the current leader of Orb, which is nice exposition for us. It makes sense that she would be. But also she's wearing the formal outfit of her station, so I don't... Yeah, like, again, this makes a lot more sense if she's in, like, a military uniform or a... Or a t-shirt. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, she looks dressed for the part. So then we, like, kind of see them looking over at the airport. There's a crowd of people, and then there are three characters that look awfully designed in there that Atherin's like, huh, those look vaguely like main characters. They've got the array of different hair colors. So I thought mostly based on the way- And weird clothing designs. Yeah. I was going to say mostly based on the way the shot has panned out. I thought he was just checking her out. Well, she does look kind of like Kigali. He might have a type. She doesn't look anything like Kira, though, so- But then he continues to stare at her, so after she notices- Well, I mean, I could actually kind of- by that like that's part of the whole seed thing if that's what they're also trying to yeah, imply atherin's no new type but i can see he him like having a hunch like those guys don't that look seem, right yeah, that, that seems awkward this i don't know if this is supposed to imply that this has if this is just something they didn't pay attention to they're in an elevator going down yeah so shouldn't they not have gravity in this thing that's what i was going to point out because they're on the space catwalk earlier and now they're in an elevator and there's perfect gravity for some reason uh, it's basically the same gra uh, elevator that we've seen lacus in in the previous series it's not the same plant but it's the same one we'll see an external shot of it soon that like big central pillar no my point is gravity yeah, doesn't work consistently I do like how Atherin is just standing there doing the bodyguard thing as as uh, Kigali is sitting on her own bench as they're talking to Zaft soldiers. Getting some exposition about how tomorrow will be the first launch of a new ship since the war ended. And Kigali's like, why are they doing that tomorrow? Knowing While that we're, we're here. here. It's actually more about why are they having the meeting with me here? Like, why did they invite? I wanted to meet with them. Why did they invite me to their ship ceremony to do that? And she's, like, basically making kind of a power move. But then, again, her bad boyfriend just kind of... Bad boyfriend slash bodyguard. He's a decent bodyguard, I feel like. But a bad, terrible, unsupportive boyfriend here. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, you're the one who requested a meeting on short notice. They probably just, like, were like, this is closer. This will be able to fit in. Honestly, I can also kind of see that being more of a, like... Because Kigali is very much on the emotional side of things, as we've noted in, the other, in Gundam Seed. And Atherin is not. She I can also be see it being one of those situations where Atherin is supposed to keep her feet on the ground. Like, this is something that they've already done. Yeah, but doing that in front of the Zaft, like, yeah. personnel seems like a real dick move. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I defend it. I'm saying that could be where this is coming from. So I thought it was there to off-put the Zaft soldiers and were like, oh man, they're squabbling. This is weird. Yeah, but the staff soldiers don't know what they're doing in their free time together. And they also... <laughs> <laughs> and they probably don't care. They're, they're low they're ranking. Just like, hey, is that Atherin Zala? <laughs> they're low ranking flunkies. <laughs> Wasn't he the hero of Zaft and also the Three Ships Rebellion? What, what did they even? The, the Three, three ships, ships Alliance. That's it. The Three Ships Union. <laughs> I feel like Lacus Klein was the only like public figure of the Three Ships Alliance, and maybe Kagali. I feel like Atherin won a Purple Heart, basically. Yeah, at yes, some point. In the, but I don't think they were, then were like on the news. Oh, also, Zat Purple Heart winner Atherin Zala has defected to this weird. I think it was also he was like the Sherman's son, though. He yeah. also won like a like a Medal of Honor for taking out Kira. Yeah, that's what and we're I, talking about. I don't think they made it public, like. Those two mobile suits that are kicking the shit out of everybody siding with the Three Ships Alliance. Yeah, those are totally ours, and they're both coordinators. And they're nuclear-powered. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they really made that information public. <laughs> I could just imagine Patrick Zala just, just, like, doing that. So I don't think anybody actually knows, like, how 
much of a badass those characters were. Or there are a few people who do. So they meet with the chairman. She's like, welcome, princess. I, I don't know why I went Disney villain voice for him, but I did. I understand why <laughs> it's you It's accurate. <laughs> I should be doing Char Aznable voice, though. So she's like, I never betrayed anybody, princess. <laughs> Blame your father. <laughs> and she's like, no, thanks for a meeting on short notice. So Atherin's words have apparently uh, done something for him. And Durendal and Atherin share a meaningful exchange. Like, I guess, look, they glance at each other. Aren't they look like they just set trap cards at each other. <laughs> Aren't you Atherin Zala? Aren't you the guy who's voiced by Char? Um, <laughs> Aren't you Atherin Zala? Aren't you a dick? <laughs> As they're talking, we cut to Shin waiting for his Uber, staring at his sis- dead sister's phone. Yeah, he just kind of carries that around. And meanwhile, the three weird dudes from the airport are just hanging out. The three out. clearly character designs. And so Durandal's like, hey, sounds like everything's going or- cool in Orb. Cool for you. Wish it was going cool up here. And then he plays dumb. He doesn't quite. He's like, my ambassador says you want to talk about a complicated issue with me. And Kigali's is the- like, I don't know what's complicated. I asked you to disarm yourselves and you haven't done well, it. No, so he <laughs> says, I don't know why you would be here. That's why I'm saying he's playing dumb. He knows what she's doing here. And right. also, that's the way I took this the first time I watched it, too. That's not actually the issue she has. It's not, I want you to disarm. It's specifically, I want you to stop using personnel you acquired from Orb during the battle that we saw at the start of the episode to advance your military. Okay. And I want you to stop, like, having them in the military as well. Because we will see, at least in Shin's case, he is an Orb citizen who is now in the Zap military. And he is not the only one, although he might be the only one we really get any focus on. So she's like, yeah, I don't think it's that complicated. That also sounds a lot like Kigali. It is actually pretty complicated. But it's also a decent negotiating tactic to play it off as like, this is simple. Why can't you even tell me? Like, is it a complicated issue, actually? I like how Atherin's surprised by Kigali's statement here. Like, is like, what? She has political finesse? <laughs> uh, meanwhile, we cut to, uh, I'm just going to start calling them Druggies 2.0. Because yeah, that's what they're they are. Clearly that's the dr- what they are. I was actually wondering that uh, because, the, like, they're pretty terrible. No, the the guy with white hair, he literally looks exactly like one of them. Not not his design, but like his face is identical to one of the other ones. And so we see Stella like doing some window shopping and then she just starts staring at her reflection in the mirror. The eye catch music starts playing and she starts dancing and I kind of get what they're going for, but this isn't charming at all. No, it's just Most because how confused she looks well, by herself. I I think the my biggest problem here is that the the two guys are clearly, you know, normal, whereas she's not. She's some sort of psycho assassin. Stella frequently comes off as kind of a retard, and I don't want to use that phrase because I don't like it, but it's really problematic to her character for me. She seems like she has genuinely some sort of mental illness, and the material never really tries to tackle that. She's an expe for uh, for Morasame from Zeta Gundam, and she gets a lot more screen time than Four does, but she doesn't have any of the charm. And like, you immediately understand why Four and Camille have an attraction to each other, even though they meet very briefly. Whereas I don't get like having any feelings for Stella. I... She just seems almost she seems too inhuman. They're trying to go for like the manic pixie dream girl kind of thing with her. But they go way too far, and she just seems detached from reality. Yeah, I was going to say, she I, hasn't said a word yet, and this is weird because of that. Yeah, I um, I was trying to come up with a better word than, than yeah, that, but I, I'm That's with That's fair, Jeremy. you should. I, you I, shouldn't I, use that word, kids. I was just like, it, I don't I don't get this. It, it, I kind of get what they're going for, but it doesn't work. 
And it becomes really problematic for some of the elements later on down the line. Yeah. And it also doesn't help that the two guys with her are just making fun of her about it. Like if she was kind of a like more of a genuine ditz or kind of like an airhead, it would work a lot better. Like if she actually talked. Yeah. And also it's very weird that they are contrasting this to the political dialogue between Kigali and the chairman. So she dances so hard that she meet cute Shin. And, and then I, it catches her by the boobs, as you do. Yeah, it's a super awkward thing. Like, we get the shot of it. It just feels very indulgent. Because we'll find out that this is an accident. And, like, neither of them are in any way bothered by this. But we still get the close-up as the audience, which is just kind of weird. And he's like, uh, sorry, who are you? And she gets angry for a minute and runs off. And Shin's he's, just confused. I mean... Obviously, like, wouldn't you be that confused? But then his buddy here, Yolent, comes in and is like, hey, you grabbed your breasts, didn't you? And then I feel like he realizes it and it suddenly, like, makes sense to him that she would be upset about that, even though that's not really the situation. <laughs> I like how he looks at his hands. It's like, oh, what have I done? It's exactly <laughs> the same, like, Mula Flaga, like, my hands have this power? <laughs> yes. That's they've animated before, and it's quite, where he's like, you lucky pervert. And he just says, like, the most shit-eating grin. It's like, it, it's not like that. I'm an innocent main character guy. I was just I'm not quite a hero from... over here, but... <laughs> and then we get the eye catch. It's not as good as the old one. It's not bad. I don't mind Lacus's terrible wedding dress, it's but... It's so low cut, first of all. Second yes. of all, what is with these ribbons? Why is it trans... She's a magical like... girl now? I was gonna say, why is it open less? Well, she was already a magical girl. I'm pretty sure that explains a lot. <laughs> it would, yeah. Well, here we are. We finally got to Destiny. And you know what? It's actually not a bad episode. It's definitely got some problems, and I can already see some things that are going to be problematic in the future, but at the time of recording this, I haven't watched all of it yet, and it's still not terrible where I'm at. So we'll see whether or not I develop the ire at this show that everyone else seems to have. At this point, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know the drill. If not, hey, this is maybe a good jumping on point if people want to, like, listen to us ramble about Destiny. So if you haven't already talked about the show to people you think might be interested, now's a good time to do that thing. I'm also going to quickly plug our Patreon. If you're a supporter, you're listening to this episode, like, I don't know, months and months early. Well, maybe not this episode, but you're listening to some of the episodes months early. I'm also going to maybe not plug, but thank profusely Studio Magane, which is a YouTube channel and probably he also has a SoundCloud and whatnot that does chiptune covers of mostly anime intros and outros, but they did pretty much the entirety of Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny's opening and ending themes, which are what we use for this show. And these ones in particular on this episode are more kick-ass than usual. I do have a soft spot for chiptune music, though, so I might be a little bit biased in his favor. Either way, it's pretty good stuff, and you should go give him a listen or at least a like on a couple of his videos, because I'm sure they'd appreciate that even if they don't notice the very small increment in their like count. Other than that, if you haven't dropped a review on us, uh, hey, go do so now, because we're basically just starting a new season of the show. I'm actually marking these as season two from now on. All right, that's it. I'll let you get back to Angry Boy and actually mostly just Kigali trying to politic at Durundal. Bye. When we're done, we cut back to them now walking negotiating, walking through the, like, the military complex. We see a bunch of 
Jin's moving around. I was going to call him Zaku. So Someone was like, yet. we need to actually move this plot along. So let's get them out of the office. So Durandal's basically challenger, like, so what should we do then if we shouldn't be using this? And we see Azaku for the first time in the actual series. When it was basically like, I mean, they needed employment and we needed to employ someone. Well, so. th- that's the point he's going to make later. But yeah, it, he doesn't he, actually. He's make- kind of luring Kigali into a verbal trap here. Where he's like, what should we do? And she's like, well, we will go by our nation's principles. And so Durandal cuts her off as like, so you won't invade any other nation or tolerate invasion or interfere with other nations conflicts which is orbs mo from the previous series if you watch it you know that so basically be swiss yeah and he's like we agree completely that makes a lot of sense but we actually need military power to do that surely you understand that in fact because your country suffered such a massive military defeat you probably understand it better than anyone else well, Orb's got a military, too. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Let those who want peace prepare for war. Yeah. I mean, Space Japan has a military. We so. also get two seconds of her dad in flashback. If you, for some reason, are just joining us now, we are playing a game. Zach and I think that uh, Kigali's dad has more screen time in Destiny, where he is dead, than he did in the original. Uh, only two seconds so far, so... That's more than he gets in the first episode of Gundam Seed, though. <laughs> That's more than he gets in, like, the first half of Gundam Seed. Anyway, Kigali's come back. He's like, can you stop calling me princess, please? Yeah, Non-sequiturs into the stop calling me princess because she doesn't actually have a good retort to his points. Well, excuse me, princess. I mean, representative. <laughs> and he's like, hey, so uh, why has suddenly brought this on? What are you so afraid of? Is it pressure from the Atlantic Federation? And we get this subtle shot. And again, the first time I watched it, I didn't really get what they were going for. But we find out that Kigali's here because she's been pressured from the Atlantic Federation to try and stop Zaft from improving their military with Orb's technology. And or- Orb just happens to be a convenient way to do this because they're neutral. Well, and yet it's basically the same position Orb was in in Gundam Seed, where yep. because they're neutral, they're this weird, like, pressure point. Like, the Atlantic Federation really feels Orb should be with them. And, you know, they don't want to just have this uh, neutral company that can do pretty much whatever they want because they're not associated with them. But they are pretty powerful. No one wants that in their backfield. Uh, and here's where he makes the point that Tyler's talking about. Of like, uh, they, It's natural that they use the skills they have to seek employment when we uh, gave them a place to live after they lost their home in the war. And I mean, again, he's not wrong. Yes. Which is why I said I have complicated feelings on Rundle Because I feel like he starts out as a very nuanced and interesting character. He's voiced by Char Asnable. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean you're not wrong. Again. To be fair, Char was often nuanced. Oh, Char's so. also very nuanced. That's, and I feel like out the gate by casting him that way, you're immediately, if you know Gundam, like, what's this guy's deal? Should I trust this guy? I know the answer is no, but I want it to be yes. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, we see some key cards, and uh, Druggies 2.0 and two randos have infiltrated a building. Well, and the randos are basically like, well, this is best we did. Good luck. Have fun slaughtering all those people. So they point out guns. Stella pulls knife. out a knife, and <laughs> she, like, again, just has this really vacant stare at it. I was expecting gets, like, her to start dancing at a reflection in the knife. <laughs> and then we get probably one of the starts of my least favorite scenes in here, because it's like this massive Matrix scene of the Druggies 2.0 <laughs> just slaughtering everybody who are apparently just dumb. Hey, they got a surprise round, Zach, and they all took a bunch of cleave feeds, and <laughs> these are mooks, so they die in one hit. 
I just well, it, it instead of like the first in the uh, first um, episode of Gundam Seed, you know, when the in the Christmas invasion, it actually you know you had more than three people, and it actually looked like an operation that they planned out, and you know, okay, so here's how we're going to do all this. Here it's just like, oh yeah, we're main characters, so fuck the little guys. Because, like, a guy ki- shoots a bunch of people behind him yeah. without very, looking. It's really stupid. It's I very love it. style over substance. With Seed already was engaging in more than most Gundam series, but Destiny does embrace it from the get-go. Especially since Devil May Cry 5 just came out. Um, like, I really like the scene. I'm like, oh, he's doing an unnecessary flip. I'm expecting to just put the gun on his foot and bayonetta it at some point. It's really dumb. <laughs> I'm going to split the middle here and that I don't hate it. We definitely saw some of this from coordinators in Gundam Seed originally. So it doesn't stretch credulity too much. But it is a little bit, look how cool these new guys are. That's my biggest problem is like, hey, look, we have these new characters. You want to like them. You want to think they're really cool. Another, and I'm just like, no. No, they're assholes. Immediately, they're just assholes. And one of them's like a murder psycho. They're all murder psychos. Is one of the named Sting? Yeah, the green-haired yes. one is Sting. Okay. Sting, Stella, and Abdul? Abdul? Owl? Something like that. I thought on the s- subtitles it was A-U-E-L. So they jump in the three Gundams that are here. Which are apparently mm-hmm. not password protected or anything like that. Anybody can hop in and use them. I guess that's what unrestricted <laughs> comes from. <laughs> we will see some hacking here in a minute. So, Although they do just start them up. No, that's because they're actually fingerprint activated and they actually just like yeah, copy the fingerprints. It's not even like hacking. They just turn them on. There's a lot of typing going on, at least. Oh, wait. Stella said something. She did. She talks a lot more when she's in cockpit. And while we are making fun of this scene for good reason, I do really like the very slow, like, getting up sequence one of them goes through. It does convey weight and power in a nice way. Actually, when they were, uh, when we came back from the eye catch, or I guess from the mid episode, they were walking across the field and a mobile suit's walking across. And, like, the entire screen shakes just a little bit every time. I have a problem with, like, the attack scene. I don't have a problem with this one. Yeah. I have a bunch of other problems, but this isn't really it. Because like you said, it really conveys power and size. And hacking. And hacking. (laughs) They all took subclass operating systems wizard because they saw how well that worked for Kira. This is clearly just a second campaign in this (laughs) setting. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. They're about to beat a level 20 character and be like, no fair! (laughs) Uh, It's always cool when the phase shift armor turns on. And we get to see these mobile suits in their proper colors. And a survivor hits an (laughs) alarm. Yes. They didn't shoot him good enough. And I do like seeing the whole base like reacting, including Ather and Kigali and Durundal. I also really like seeing those beams pierce things. Yeah. That they, looks, that's a cool effect. They definitely take some time animating it. And as these lasers just shoot out of this hangar to take down some gins, we get a double, get down, Mr. President, as Ather <laughs> tackles Kigali and the entire Zaft <laughs> army surrounds Durundal. <laughs> And then the three new ones, the Chaos, the Abyss, and the Gaia. I love. Come out of the hangar. I love that some random operator is like, these three, like, instead of, like, being, oh, the prototypes, he's like, this one by name, by name, by name? Check out the model kit. Buy now. Available today. (laughs) And then that voice actor was never heard from again. (laughs) So Sting's like, hey, we got to destroy all these hangars because there are a ton of mobile suits here, but we do have initiative, basically. They're not prepared for combat so we've got to take out as many as we can there's actually a mission of uh one of the rogue squadron games that's basically this like i mean it makes a lot of sense because they might be really good but they aren't invincible and there are a lot of guys here yes and like i said i just like that they 
take that and we get a lot of shots of them destroying of them destroying unpiloted mobile suits. So uh, so, we, so we get a Baku. Yeah, the Gaia transforms into a Baku. It's <laughs> Zoids. God, oh. I hate the Gaia. A guy is my favorite of these three because at least we've already established that Zaft makes quadrupedal wolf mobile suits. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong there. I just hate transforming mobile suits. I mean, I can take them or leave them. I love the Zeta, but not because it transforms. And so I'm kind of okay with all of them. Like I said, this one is the one that makes the most sense to me because they already have a model designed as a quadruped. They've already decided that's a good idea. And also have clearly decided a biped is a good idea. So if you can create one that can be both, why not? Although, to be fair, the guy is not my least favorite mobile suit even in this episode, much less this series. So Yeah, it's my favorite of these three Gundams. I like the heavy artillery of the blue one. I don't know which one it is. That is the Abyss. I actually really like all these shots of just these suits getting wrecked before they can get out of the hangers. Yeah, and we get a bunch of, like, scrambling shots, too. Even the old Zagut gets up. (laughs) Old man Zagut. I love how disappointed Kigali looks at their new models of mobile suit. She's like, oh, guys, I told you not to do this. Well, it's honestly, I would expect Athen to be like, wait, new models? Well, that explains it. Somebody stole them. Of course they did. I did that last time. <laughs> so one of these looks like it has like a halberd. This is thing? the abyss. Okay. Is it actually a halberd? More or less. Okay. So, I love it. Yeah. Kigali and Athern see the abyss and then they say the name of the show together like a couple would. It's very cute. I like how they say it's a Gundam. Like, what makes Gundams special in this universe, really? Uh, th- that's what they piloted. <laughs> it's it's the, not the, even is really it the like head thing. Is that it? Really, the only thing that makes a Gundam special is that that's what the main characters drive. I guess the face shift. Like, how can they tell it's a Gundam as opposed to any other mobile? I think suit? it's just a design thing. It's just the face. And like again, taking from Zeta, the Mark II was designed to look like the Gundam for like PR slash morale reasons. To, like, invoke that feeling. But again, because the Gundam isn't weren't as big of a deal in Seed, you don't really get that. So Ray and Luna start trying to rush to their hangar. Uh, and we see an explosion. Rocks fall and cover their mobile suits. And I actually really like that we got the opening in this episode so that we can see these are their mobile suits. And we know that they've been knocked out of the fight before yeah. they've been had a chance to get to them. But they're not destroyed. And they do that with zero dialogue because of the opening scene which is a nice touch. A lot of times, first episodes will skip the opening scene, and I understand why they do that. It's dramatic, but here it like adds to the plot in a way that a lot of times it'll spoil the plot instead. Since Rundle is taking control of the situation, he's like, hey, get Kigali to a shelter. Get me someone that can help. It'd be really bad PR if a visiting diplomat died right now. Yeah. And like we have to stop them no matter what. Contact the Minerva. Contact the Minerva and ask for their assistance. Not contact the Minerva and tell her to scramble everything she can get me. I mean, I presume they have one thing on the ship, given that they were not ask for their assistance. That's fair. And then definitely not Maru. We get get a where is he? We get the pronoun game. Yes. We get Arthur's name. Arthur, a.k.a. Terrible Nataro. (laughs) So Atherin, sans glasses, because he lost them, is running around. He's like, oh, let's take cover over here. There's a cool explosion. We get some of them high mobility gins, but even they are no use match for Gundams. I already love how many shots this show has of just, like, civilians existing while mobile suits duke it out, and you just see how overwhelming the Gundams are. Well, it gives them a lot more size uh, and scale because of how, like, small the people are in relation to them. 
And we even see like a Din shoots a building and we see the rubble following near Kigali and Atherin. And she's kind of not completely breaking down, but she's more or less like, not again. God damn it. Why do I have to be here again? And so Atherin spots a Zaku that got blown through a building. I think it just got knocked over. It has no power. Well, it was so. knocked out of a, it was in a building. The building got destroyed. It fell over. See, one of the main problems is that the grunt suits don't seem to realize that to get a better movement modifier, you have to fucking move. <laughs> so they're <laughs> all just fair. standing still. To be fair, there's not a lot of area to move here without running into a building. So Atherin's like, I'm useless on the ground. Rather than running away, let's make a target out of ourselves. Or yeah, hiding? They were, they were safe. I kind of get it, because everywhere they've turned so far, there's been an explosion. That's fair. I feel like they should just get it inside the cockpit and just stay there. That, that would be, I personally don't think that'd be a good idea, because if one of them came around and spotted it on the ground, and since it is potentially active if a pilot were to hop in, one of them might just toast it. That's yeah. fair. And if we know one thing about Atherin, it's whenever there's a crisis. She's like, wear a mobile suit. Like, sorry, we're all out, buddy. He's like, this time I got one. It's mine. <laughs> i never seen one of these before. I'm sure I can do it. We then cut to a jet spinning around and a omniscient narrator, who's actually a character whose name we will get more eventually. He's like, pilot to corresponder. And then we get a whole lot of process. That's not a, I don't think that's a narrator. That's an, an like, that's a, a process announcer. Yeah. And we will find out what character is announcing this even. So narrator is the wrong word, but it is the one I used. And we also find out it selected the sword silhouette. Oh, it's a, it's a silhouette, is it? Yes. And this, uh, for some reason, this uh, shuttle also has a Gundam acronym. Weird. I God, wonder if I that's going to come to any fruition. Thing. So we get a lot of process. First, the jet takes off. Then we see basically a sword backpack take off. It's like a striker pack module or something. Yeah. Certainly a good thing that this isn't some kind of emergency that would require speed to get this shit done. I assume that we're uh, just seeing it slowly because it's the first time we've seen it. I imagine this is a pretty quick process. In an emergency, this is still too slow. Leg flyer. Because if you're under fire when that happens, you're useless for most of it. So anyway, like, we come back picture to the whenever Kira was doing anything in Gundam Seed, fighting uh, the four guys attacking the Archangel. If you had to wait for all of his equipment to show up, he'd be dead. I feel like any situation where you're under fire while you're launching is a terrible situation to be in. Yes, but when you have to wait for your gear to catch up to you? Yeah, it's called Moo. Uh, <laughs> so Atherin pulls Akira and drags Kigali into the cockpit of a mobile Actually, suit. Actually, it's more a matter of Atherin pulls a Maru and yeah. pulls Kigali uh, into a mobile suit. Except for Atherin actually knows how to drive this thing. Maru kind of knew how to drive it, it just wasn't done yet. And we see the Zaku slowly getting up, and boy do I love the Zaku warrior. I love the shot of the Zaku as it finally gets up, because it's like its vents trigger, and it get, finally gets all the way up. Unfortunately, one of the druggies notices them. Stella, specifically. And the Gaia. And she goes to shoot them, but after it moves and dodges out of the way. And she's, and like, she's like, what? what? <laughs> it's like, that's not fair. <laughs> and it's like, what's his AC? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he goes for the ram and gets the gun out of her hand by ramming it with, like, the big shoulder shield the Zaku has, which I love. Because the Zaku's, the traditional Zaku's have that big, like, spike shoulder. And I love making it into, like, a shield that covers most of the arm. And it also has their yeah. accents in it. Like, I do really, really love the Zaku's in his. Yeah, the, the, the axe deployed from it, also very cool. She samurai pulls her beam saber because the guy has the samurai placement. Like Kigali's kind of panicking and Atherin's just like, yep, done this before. What do they make the shields out of that it resists? Beam of blade of coating. <laughs> I don't think they establish exactly what it's made out of. Because they can definitely be destroyed, but... And it's it's clear, like, Atherin's being forced backwards. 
He's also doing it very defensively. Yeah, he's not trying to really go on the offensive. But he gets flanked by Sting in the chaos. And unfortunately, he's able to move out of the way, but he loses the arm with the shield on it. Well, he, he doesn't just, lose the shield. He loses the arm. Yeah. Yeah, because the shield's attached at the shoulder. Which is another like. thing I really like. But before they can continue, they get shot at by the jet. And they're like, what was that thing? And then they just stare at it. All right, everybody just stand here and stare at this thing as it does its thing instead of shooting it. I do wish there were some shots of them shooting at it. But to be fair, I feel like this is a moving target and would be difficult to hit. Not if it's going in a straight line. And then he Voltrons together in the sky. Because it's not really trying to dodge. It's just moving in a straight line. What are those red threads? Is that ever... I assume they're laser guidance. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I don't know that it ever actually says that. No, that, I'm, that no, would that's, make a I'm lot pretty of sense. sure that's what they're supposed to be. I also like once this thing is put together. I love this mobile suit design. It's way more red than Gundams tend to be. That's just the stri- that's just that sword striker. Uh yeah, it's I guess this is a spoiler. It's got variable phase shift armor, so its color changes depending on which pack is in it and sp- and theoretically how strong the phase shift also changes depending on that. Huh. So how much power goes to phase shift versus weapons? Gotcha. That's interesting. It's a decent idea. It does mean that you have to buy three model kits instead of one. <laughs> yeah. It's got a Darth Maul pair of the great sword. swords. The Impulse, oh, a.k.a. the dual-wield Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like that shot of it. It's from the opening, so like they can spend even more money on it, of it like flourishing the double sword. And also, I like that the Impulse, in theory, the Strike can do this too, but that the shield and beams, uh, beam laser and the <laughs> beam rifle are standard equipment. So even though it's got the big sword, it's also got the standard shield and it's got the rifle on its back. We get a couple of glamour shots of it. Yeah. And Durundal is smirking like, yes, all according to plan. My good Gundam didn't get caught. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. The one that I actually give a pilot to. This episode ends with the ending theme starting to crop up. It's not as good as the original Gundam seed ending theme, even though Destiny has some bangers for ending themes. This one's kind of the most just okay one. And I really like that Shin's just like, hey, are you guys trying to start another war? That shit killed my family. I do like that it's like a statement of purpose and that that's what his thing here is. Like, not I'm going to kill you for like the damage you're causing, but I have to stop you before this escalates. And we get a line from Durendal. I actually really like that. Yeah. Saying we need power because conflict will always happen, which is a very. It's not only is it a very Gundam thing. It's also true. I also, I really like Shin's motivation of, I need to be a soldier to stop more wars. Oh, and then we get basically Gundam Seed's ending, but Gundam Seed Destiny-fied, yeah. which I actually kind of like. I like it and I don't. I wish Shin was the first character you see instead of Atherin, so Atherin and Kigali are on one bookend and Kira and Lacus are on the other. Shin is prominently featured, but I kind of wish he was a bookend. I mean, when I first saw this, I actually thought Atherin was supposed to be the main character. I feel like Kira wasn't a bookend in his own damn show. He was in the. I think he's where Shin is. That's so. probably true. So, because yeah, I think the fir- in the original one, the first character I think you saw might have been Maru, actually, but I don't remember that real well. Yeah, and that's the episode. Again, it's a very Gundam Seed ending. It's just a whole bunch of wreckage while we pan over all the characters. The Archangel is destroyed in there. The Freedom, the Impulse is actually okay. It's got some people hanging out on it. And that's the episode. There are things in this episode that work and don't. That's pretty much all of Destiny. But as far as the first episode goes, I think it's really strong. I think it's frankly stronger than Gundam Seed's first episode. You get a lot more action. You get like clearly stated themes and bits of conflict. And while there's not a lot of Shin, that opening sequence is such a good informant of his character that it feels like you have more than enough. Rebuttal? I did not realize that was Shin. 
So from, at the end, you didn't. Yeah. Okay. You can piece it together, but like he's in a helmet basically, and all you have are his eyes. And I guess his he's, angry eyes. His angry <laughs> eyes, and I guess he's the only character with that eye color we've seen. But honestly, I think this is a pretty solid opening. I would see this and go, I want to watch more of that show. Yeah, I think the ending in particular is real good at making you want to watch the next episode, since it ends with a fight about to start after some glamour shots of this mobile suit. Definitely not terrible. I think I prefer some others. This one more of is trying to set up the world that you're kind of existing in, whereas a lot of the other ones are setting up character. Like they're, They focus really hard on one character, and that's one of the things that I've said in the past about other things that choose somebody to focus on. And this one, while it's not really focused on the main character, it does pick one very specific element that it really wants to focus on. And it does include a lot of the same themes that you're going to be looking at. And if you don't know that the druggies are super boring and won't have backstories, maybe you'll be like, oh, I want to know what's up with these guys. I want to know how they got this information to steal these three Gundams. You know, I don't actually, like, even without knowing that, I didn't actually care okay. about them. I assumed they were part of someone else's plan. There are some interesting things that happen regarding them, and by interesting, I mean funny. I actually assumed it was Durundle who hired them to oh, do you this. You think this is a false flag? A false flag? False flag? You're not familiar with the idea of a false flag operation? That's when you hire some terrorists to attack your country so that you can then be like, oh no, these terrorists, we gotta... Yeah, no, I think it's exactly that. All right, uh, we want to put the Zaku on this list of mobile suits we have. Oh, it's gonna go. We haven't really high. gotten. We haven't gotten really a whole lot of shots of the Zaku. Yeah, I, doing I would anything. wait it. Oh, no, for no, an we did. We two. did get uh, Athrun actually doing something in the Zaku. So I, mean, I think and, it's fine. And hey, spoilers! They put the strike technology on these Zaku's. We're gonna have some <laughs> Zaku's to rank. I think we can do the base one just fine. Does here. this one have a firearm though? Because we haven't gotten to see it yet. This one, the one that Athrun was using, did not have a gun. Okay. Yeah, if you want to wait, we can. That's the only one I think we've seen enough of to possibly rank. I definitely want to ra- wait on the Impulse, all its forms, as well as the Chaos Guy and Abyss. I feel like we can do the base Zaku Warrior, but if you want to wait, no, we can. I, I just wasn't sure that we'd actually seen everything from it. Hey, I know you love the high-mobility Jin Tyler. I think it's better than the high-mobility Jin, though. I, I, I agree with Jeremy. I think I agree. The Zaku I, Warrior is now officially in our top five. <laughs> it is I, great. I just, I'm a sucker for Zaku's, and this is arguably the best Zaku. Uh, yeah, so. there are some other Zaku's in the series that might go higher, but it's very, very good. Is it better than the Launcher Strike? I do love me some big cannons, but man, that shield. Like, it's real hard. <laughs> I like the shield. I actually also Especially really... Especially the pop-out well, I I'm, I also like axes as a weapon on a something that size. They're just generally, they're underutilized. Well, maybe it's because I play Battletech in the... Because axes and that are basically just crushing weapons. I like that idea. Yeah, because they're so you don't need the finesse of a sword. You need the weight of a hammer or an axe. To just break armor. Yeah. It obviously though it works differently here. I, I kinda love it. I really like that shield. I think I also like it. I think I like it more than launcher strike. You didn't say it either way, Zach. You are leaning that way though, it seems like. Yeah, I mean the launcher strike is just the strike with a big gun, and while I do love me big guns. Say, Man, I, that shield is awesome. I love me big guns, and I also love me the strike. So I, I was torn on this, so I'm glad I don't have to make a decision yet. Is it better than the Justice? Uh, no, I don't think so. The Justice does have a couple of problems with it. Like the awkward backpack? Yeah. But at the same but time... Mostly the size of the awkward backpack, but... Like the, du- the dual-wielding uh, lightsaber and the... Actually, I kind of like the backpack, especially because he can use it as a... As a no, I'm I like the surfboard. guns on the backpack. I like when he uses it as a surfboard. It makes the proportions of a mobile suit awkward, though. No, and that's mostly what I was talking that about, is, is that the proportion... Like, it looks too bulky with the backpack on, and it looks not bulky enough with the backpack off. 
But the backpack itself is a cool concept. Yes. Okay. So I think we're saying that the Zaku Warrior does not quite make top three. It goes at number four above the launch. But that's strike. a pretty strong start for a grunt suit. So <laughs> it is a I really well designed grunt suit. I really like the grunt suits in Destiny. And I, looking at our top three, I'm not sure anything is going to get that high. There's there, one I'm going to argue to put above the justice. Maybe the ju- the justice might get knocked off, but the other two I don't think are going yeah, anywhere. Yeah, the Vilcus is a good suit. And the Freedom's my all-time favorite. That's why. Like, yeah. like the Freedom is his all-time favorite, and I think the Vilcus is mine. <laughs> so, And they're kind of the same, so I'll team up with him. You know, I have be, the Freedom block. I'd be hard-pressed to tell you what my favorite mobile suit is. So, All right. High point, Tyler? Oh, man. Um, there's actually a lot of good stuff in this episode already. I actually want to say that opening scene, that just for the shock value of uh, seeing Shin's family destroyed. And Damn. It's, it's like threaded in so well. Like, like it feels it, like it happened, even though like they clearly came up with this I lo- after the fact. I love it as a cold open because like you get the opening after that. Yep. So like you just have this happen. So you're not sure if it's like an extended thing for Gundam Seed, but it's clearly attached to it. I love that part as well. Zach? Uh, Tyler took mine. Yeah, mine too. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have a backup. This is why you let me go first. It's really hard because that one is really, really, really good. And the rest of the episode's a little bit more flat. I think I'd have to say the like the arising of the Gundams in general. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go with the scale of the mobile suits. Like They really do make an effort in this opening episode to show you scale to really impress how easily they could like, just crush a human <laughs> how small pbis actually would be against these guys pbis are poor bloody infantry it's a, it, yep. it's kind of a battle tech term but the poor bloody infantry yeah the poor bloody infantry i'm gonna go with the end of the episode since you took the beginning i think it's a real strong like statement of character that he shows up and he's like all these reasons to be like bloodthirsty and vengeful but like his call is, hey, you want to start another war? And the, that over, and Durundle's like wisdom over it of like, we need power because conflict's inevitable. I think it's a real strong cliffhanger. I actually, as a runner up, I actually really like all the subtle things they do to imply Kigali's like political rise, basically. And like the fact that she's politically savvy, but also being pressured politically to well, do I, this thing. I never really got so. the, the idea that she was really politically savvy. She, she had some pretty good wordplay there at maybe not good wordplay but more of the feeling that Durundle was playing her there, there was a but she's at least playing the game yeah there was at least That's one fair. comment where i think she caught him uh mostly he was running that conversation but she definitely got him once so what's your low point tyler oh boy honestly i'm gonna say it's probably just stella randomly dancing at a reflection in a window without it like if there had been hey you took both my high point and my low point yeah if there had been like any dialogue before she did that to establish her as a character at all because if she had been like a cold hard character and then she did that like it would give her some nuance or if like she some had, mystery or something if she had some kind of like lines or something along the line, same lines as the two guys yeah, literally anything to establish a character. <laughs> she's dull as dishwater. Yeah, like it could either be like a weird quirk or it could be like just... this is her weird quirk and it's just too weird, right? Well, and it comes out too early. Like if she had been like, no, you got to stay focused on the mission. Then she does if, that. And we're like, well, that's weird. Why that? If, yeah, If she acts, you know, actually acts normal, I guess would be the like that sounds really bad. But like no. if she acts like the trained soldier that she technically is. And then does and that. Then it's mostly does something she, like that. It's mostly they did it in the wrong order, I think. Like, if she had done that afterwards, I, I think it would have been fine. 
Or at the very least, given her some kind of character beforehand. Zach? Yeah. Honestly, I really, really hate the the hijacking sequence. Because, like, them just going in and killing, like, 30 people without doing, like, without really implying anything. It's like, look how, co- look how cool our new bad guys are. Look how skilled our new bad guys are. Yeah, no, I would have way preferred it if they had just, like, stabbed someone in the back and then just, like, took, taken his key yeah, card or something. if it was something like that and not... Not the really stupid, like, Devil May Cry sequence, like you pointed out. (laughs) Devil May Cry is fun, but Devil May Cry also has a place. It's in Devil May Cry. I don't (laughs) want Devil May Cry in my Gundam. I actually, like, as much as I said I loved it, that stupid, the animation of that guy doing the cartwheel, like, he had no momentum, and then he just starts rotating. Like, I don't know. It was kind of (laughs) stupid. I'm going to go with Shin's accidental grope. I was going to take yours, but like that whole mute cute sequence, like afterwards, I mean, it's kind of cheating. It's kind of the same sequence, but like she's not paying attention just so she can bump into him. And that chest grab is here just for the audience. And and it doesn't even yeah. make, how, first of all, how would you end up catching someone like this is not shoulders is where you grab someone or at the waist, not on the breasts. I don't, that's not a good handhold. Well, maybe it is a good handled. Never mind. Yeah, um, and if like it was intentional, <laughs> I would also dislike it. But like, I don't know how you do that by accident. Exactly. Yeah, it's no. just really awkward. All right. Any other final thoughts on this? Oh no, I think I agree with you that I, as an opening, well, the more I think about it, though, I actually really like the like espionage tactical element that the first episode of Gundam Seed had. So. I, I'd, I'd say this is 50-50. Um, it's, Honestly, I really like that very beginning opening with Shin's background, and then a lot of blank spots, and then the <laughs> ending, but most of the stuff in between, like, with mostly with Kigali and the chairman. Like, I know that's important information, but you have that, and then it doesn't interpose quite as well. It doesn't interweave quite as well with the druggies doing their thing. Well, it's like not enough character development. It's too much world building in the first episode. Yeah, I mean, we know Kagal. I, I guess if you don't know who these characters are already, because you're trying to start it from a c- square zero, like, okay, but... No, it's you, not enough character development, honestly. Like, it's Honestly, it would actually... I, I think it would probably work a little better if you didn't introduce Kigali and Athrun in the first episode and have them be absent from this. Yeah, at least Kira and Lacus aren't here, except for that brief scene where they are, but they're not players. That's more of a here are where they are at the moment, not here what they're going to be doing. Yeah. I actually kind of wonder what this would be like if it just wasn't a s- sequel and like they were just characters and how that would have played out differently. There are obviously like a lot of things you're supposed to know already having watched Gundam Seed that make this different. I was going to say better. But, but that's f- the advantage of doing a sequel, right? Is you can spend less time establishing characters because you that's have fair. them already. And while it's to different degrees, Atherin at the end of Gundam Seed is not in a good place. Like he's just attempted suicide. And now and he like, seems to be doing all right. Yeah. So, but like, there's more you can do with him, right? His uh, his conflict with his father like doesn't get resolved. Like, it gets resolved because his father dies. It's not. Yeah. There's no catharsis in it. So he's not. He's in a place where there's room for him to grow. Still, I was actually going to say I just had a new low point. Um, ah. so you can take mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> retroactively. Um, it's the implication that Athrun did not help Kigali pack her clothes. <laughs> oh, because you do not think she could do that on her own? Her oh, I, 
I totally spaced that sequence out because it was so dumb. Yeah, no, it had nothing to do with anything. It's just like the fact that he didn't know what clothes she packed implied that he, they were not in the same bedroom packing at the same time, which is definitely what would have happened. Dolly and Athern's relationship in this series is weird, <laughs> is what I'm going to say about that. I guess Kira and Lachesis is kind of too, but it's weird in the way you expect. It's, <laughs> it's weird because those are two weird people Yeah, <laughs> in the way that all relationships are weird. Whereas Atherin and Kigali's is weird because it feels like the writers changed their mind in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I've pretty much said my piece on it. I like this first episode a lot. It makes you really excited to watch the episode, too. Plus, you get a lot of cool turning on a mobile suit sequences, and I'm into those. Yeah, I'm really into process stuff. I know Zach spent a lot of time talking about how much he hates the impulse stuff, and I can take or leave that. I don't think it's the best idea, but I like that it homages the original Gundam in some ways, and there are some ideas I like about it. But seeing it once, the process is really cool to me. I just hate that idea. Because, like, I, Tyler mentioned off the mics, there's too many moving parts. Yeah, no, it would be an engineering nightmare to make that work. All right, so we'll have a nightmare of a different sort. We're going to watch Phase 2, Those Who Call for War. And war! Then, and then Phase 3, Those Who Don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, until next time, this is our destiny. <laughs> Isn't that the reason Orb maintains full military facilities? Please do me a favor and stop calling me princess. Well, excuse me, princess.